Good morning and welcome to chapel. We are delighted to have Naomi Yoder, pastor of East Goshen Mennonite Church, here with us today to uh, talk on our theme this chapel year of serving God and serving all. Today we light the peace lamp. Um, given events over the weekend, the sports world lost um, an important figure with the loss of Kobe Bryant and his daughter. We want to take a moment of silence to remember his family and the contribution he has made to the world and those um, who were um, enlightened and made better people by his presence. And I would invite you to stand as we continue worshiping and singing. Yeah. So this morning we'll be singing Who You Say I Am. So if you know it, please sing it out and help the others sing along. Who am I that the highest king could welcome me? Take out the blue hymnal and turn to number 106, 
All hail the power of Jesus' name. Reading from Luke chapter 1. Then Mary said, Here I am, the servant of the Lord. Let it be with me according to your word. Then the angel departed from her. And Mary said, My soul magnifies the Lord, and my spirit rejoices in God my Savior. For God has looked with favor on the lowliness of his servant. Surely from now on all generations will call me blessed. For the mighty one has done great things for me, and holy is his name. His mercy is for those who fear him from generation to generation. He has shown strength with his arm. He has scattered the proud in the thoughts of their hearts. He has brought down the powerful from their thrones and lifted up the lowly. He has filled the hungry with good things and sent the rich away empty. He has helped his servant Israel in remembrance of his mercy, according to the promise he made to our ancestors, to Abraham and to his descendants forever.
We want to welcome again Naomi Yoder. Um, I have a brief bio of hers. She's one of two pastors at East Goshen Mennonite Church, where she served since the fall of 2016. Naomi grew up in Knoxville, Tennessee, as the middle child of five children, and still enjoys family time in the Smoky Mountains whenever possible. She went to Carleton College, spent a year with Mennonite Central Committee's SALT program in Ethiopia, and attended Vanderbilt Divinity School. Since coming to Goshen, she's appreciated the active community here, the chance to learn and grow from her congregation and local colleagues, and the opportunity to explore the great greenways and baked goods that Goshen has to offer. Uh, let's have a prayer for Naomi before she speaks. God, we thank you for Naomi's presence here with us today. May our hearts be open to what she has to say. May you speak to us through her, and may our hearts be enlightened by the word you have to speak to us today. In your name we pray. Amen. Thank you, Joanne. Will you pray again with me? Mighty one, you have done great things for us. Your mercy transforms our world and lives. Help us to be open to your blessing and your calling, to serve you and to serve all. O oh Lord, open my lips, and my mouth will declare your praise. Amen. My name, as you heard, is Naomi. And you might also know that that is a Bible name, a significant figure in the book of Ruth. In Hebrew, the name means approximately my pleasantness or my delight. Coming from the root word meaning agreeableness, suitableness, or delightfulness with an ending that alludes to the possessive my pleasantness. Those are nice descriptors. And though they're not always accurate, they're ones with which I've never really minded being associated. I want to seem pleasant. I want to seem nice. I want to be the sort of person that people find agreeable. Who doesn't, really? Those are good things, right? Sure. But the truth with which I am coming to terms and what I'd like to share with you today is that they are not the most important things. Serving God and through that being called to serve all is so much more and so much more challenging than simply being pleasant or agreeable or nice to everyone. In fact, it calls us into a radical, transformative reality that is not exactly nice, but that which is far more important, kind, loving, and in service to God's reign of peace. You've probably heard today's scripture passage many times, maybe just over a month ago during the season of Advent. It comes from the Gospel of Luke's account of what are known as the Annunciation, which is the angel Gabriel telling Mary that she will bear Jesus by the power of the Holy Spirit, the visitation, Mary going to see her relative Elizabeth, and Elizabeth declaring that Mary is the mother of her Lord, and the Magnificat, which we heard fully today, Mary's song of praise to God. This morning we're focusing on Mary's voice in this story, 
her offering herself as a servant of the Lord, and her song of praise, and what they tell us about serving God and serving all. Luke provides only a little bit of background on Mary. We know that she was a young woman, engaged but not fully married to a man named Joseph. She's from Nazareth, which other texts inform us was not exactly known for greatness, and researchers believe was likely a relatively poor town. When the angel Gabriel comes to Mary and speaks of pregnancy, of the son she will bear who will be called great and son of the Most High and will reign forever, Mary responds with wonder, asking how such a seemingly impossible thing can come to be. As Gabriel proclaims that it will come through the power of the Holy Spirit, Mary replies with openness and obedience. She assents to God's work in and through her, saying, Here I am, the servant of the Lord. Let it be with me according to your word. In this statement, offering herself to participate in God's work in the world, we can see Mary as an example of yieldedness, an understanding that is, quote, all through Anabaptist literature, one of our early Anabaptist distinctives. Whether or not you claim the tradition, just by being associated with this institution, you've probably encountered this focus, named or unnamed. Anabaptists often refer to this as galassenheit. It's self-surrender, yieldedness to God's will, including the readiness to suffer for the sake of God. And while this understanding has sometimes been lived out or taught in problematic ways, Mary's actions are a witness to the potential beauty and power of yieldedness. Mary must know how vulnerable, how vulnerable she will be. She must know that she would be exposed to public shame, that she might be jeopardizing her relationship with Joseph, and that this could even leave her without a home or a place to belong. And yet, she says yes. She offers herself to be part of God's work in what will be good news of great joy for all the people. She opens herself to God's will in order to serve God and serve all. But as the passage goes on, we come to understand that yieldedness to the will of God, rather than pushing her to bland pleasantness or, simplistic, or a simplistic nice view of service, actually inspires Mary to name and claim God's radical transformative action and Mary's place in it. Mary's powerful song of praise tells of what the Mighty One has done, how God has shown her mercy and offered her blessing in bringing Mary into the redemptive reality God established. God's strength, as Mary describes, um, changes hierarchies and power structures. It's not so much a reversal of the world order, but a leveling of it. That which has been pushed down is lifted up, and that which has been lifted up is brought down. There's no indication that the lowly are then placed above princes or that the rich then starve, but rather they are bought, brought into equity, brought out of unequal relationships. Instead of power being used for dominance, God's might brings mercy and blessing that allows for commonality and mutuality. 
As Dietrich Bonhoeffer stated, Mary's song is the most passionate, most vehement, one might say most revolutionary Advent hymn ever sung. It is not the gentle, sweet, dreamy Mary that we so often see portrayed in pictures, but the passionate, powerful, proud, enthusiastic Mary who speaks here. A hard, strong, uncompromising song of bringing down rulers of, of God's power and the powerlessness of men. Mary's words are challenging and radical. They call for an overturning of the world in favor of a more mutual and loving reality that is the reality of God. So much so, in fact, that it's often been reported that governments, especially those based on inequality, have regarded Mary's song as dangerous and subversive. That it was, for example, prohibited by the British powers from being sung in colonial India or banned from public recitation and display in the 1980s in Guatemala and during the military junta in Argentina. So what does this story have to do with niceness? And why did I choose to speak on it as part of your ongoing focus on serving God, serving all? I chose this passage because in my life I have been tempted, and I suspect others of you might have too, to confuse serving all with being nice or pleasant or agreeable to everybody. And Mary's story and song help me realize how limited that understanding is, how short that falls of the power of God in every direction. Mary speaks of lifting up the lowly, of filling the hungry with good things. This is more than simply being nice to people. It's actively working to assist and empower those who are disadvantaged in society. God, as Mary proclaims, acts with a depth of justice and care that has real lived consequences. And so serving God and serving all means serving all in word and in action. This distinction, how serving God and serving all calls us far beyond being pleasant, was brought to mind for me by an article entitled, White People Assume Niceness is the Answer to Racial Inequality. It's not. In it, the author describes how when a person, often when a person is accused of racism, they will defend themselves with evidence of their niceness. As though if they are friendly, if they, if we, are not aggressive or mean-spirited, they cannot be racist. But the article goes on to say, mere niceness does very little for real kindness, support, or change. As the author put it, to be clear, being nice is generally a better policy than being mean, but niceness does not bring racism to the table and it will not keep it on the table when so many of us who are white want it off. Being nice to another person in the context of racism, sexism, classism, or any system of oppression and dominance is probably better than joining in the violence and hatred we see around us, but it falls so short of what is needed, and so short of the lifting up and the filling with good things that Mary proclaims as marks of God's work in the world. To serve God and to serve others in that kind of transformational goodness is more than just pleasantry. 
It requires being willing to come alongside, to support, to accompany, and empower. And it also requires being willing to name and to challenge the unpleasant truths in our world and in ourselves. To confront injustice in ways that might not always seem agreeable or nice. There has been much research done on how a preference for what is nice or pleasant can actually perpetuate oppression. When people want to be seen as nice or they expect others to act in ways that are agreeable, it stifles the ability to name injustice, to challenge those who are benefiting from oppression. Because naming hard realities, being confronted with what is wrong, what is sinful in our structures, and even in our own hearts and minds and understandings, that's not exactly pleasant or delightful. And so to focus on niceness can perpetuate the status quo, encouraging a go-along to get-along type of culture. But Mary's song of praise and proclamation show a different way. Mary sings that God has scattered the proud in their hearts, has brought down the powerful from their thrones, has sent the rich away empty. And I confess that there have been times when I have struggled with those words. Sure, I can 100% get on board with lifting up the lowly and feeding the hungry. But scattering and bringing down and sending away empty, those are not nice actions. But of course, niceness isn't the point. As we explored earlier, God's strength brings a leveling of hierarchies. And that won't seem pleasant or agreeable to those used to seeing themselves as superior. But it is kind. It is loving. Because relationships of dominance are not good for anyone. They obscure our ability to see the image of God in one another. They obscure our vision of our interconnection, our kinship in Christ. Nelson Mandela has put it so well. If I am not truly free, if I am taking away someone else's freedom, just as surely as I am not free when my freedom is taken from me, the oppressed and the oppressor alike are robbed of their humanity. And so this leveling work is liberating both for those who are lifted up and those who are brought down. So part of serving God and serving others is being willing to challenge that which has been raised up for the good of all. Being willing to stop being agreeable for the sake of being caring and courageous. Being willing to speak up about injustice, even when those unpleasant truths might not feel nice. This can be especially difficult for women and others who have been socialized to be nice, to act submissively and to feel responsible for the feelings and the care of others. And whilst most of those traits can have positive expressions, when they override justice and fellowship and agency and joining in the work of God, they fall short of who God has created us to be. Mary's song reminds us that while it is good to be gracious, it is good to be positive, it is good to be nice, it is far more important to be faithful. And faithfully serving God's transforming, liberating work will mean working against injustice and inequity 
even among those who don't find our actions agreeable. One way to do that might be, as some authors suggest, aiming for kindness rather than niceness. Telling stories and standing up for ourselves in ways that are caring, even if they're not necessarily positive or pleasant. Being willing to, as Mary's song has done, speak of God's reign of mercy, even when those in power find it to be threatening or disruptive. Not in order to seek vengeance or to put ourselves above others, but for a reality with more mutuality and fellowship. That might be as expansive as supporting international efforts for challenging regressive oppressive governments. It might mean questioning local political, institutional, or business practices that don't serve the most vulnerable among us. It might mean speaking clearly and kindly when a friend or an acquaintance is perpetuating injustice and making it clear that that is not okay and not Christ-like. Or it might mean sharing your story, sharing the ways you have been pushed down and how God is lifting you up. But it is certainly remembering that serving all is not the same as being subservient to all, and sometimes is quite the opposite. And equally, serving God and serving all means being willing to listen and attend to the ways in which we need to be scattered and brought down and sent away, even when those truths aren't nice or pleasant. While some of us carry many more layers of privilege than others and thus have more work to do on this, all of us have ways in which we participate in structures of superiority and oppression. And so all of us will have times and ways in which we need to be confronted for participating in unjust hierarchies. Now, I don't know anyone who finds it delightful to be challenged on their power and privilege. I know personally that it is tempting to be defensive or hurt by being brought down in ways that don't feel nice. But the first call of the gospel is to repentance. And so serving God requires being willing to remain open to the disagreeable ways we need to change. And I also know personally that the joy of being invited more deeply into the mutual relationships, love, and mercy of God's reign is well worth the unpleasantness of having our privilege scattered. In all of this, all of this talk of disagreeable and unpleasant truths, I want to clarify again that the last thing I'm advocating for is rudeness or meanness, even to those whom we are challenging. There is far too much of that already in our world, too much demonizing, vilifying, and dehumanizing. All of those are in direct contrast to Christ's commands to love one another just as Christ has loved us, to love enemies, and to be known by our love. We cannot challenge the dominance and oppression we witness in the world by replicating its violence and hatred. What I am saying is that truly loving each other, real kindness is not always the same as being nice. It is rather standing up for justice even when it's inconvenient, moving beyond mere niceness to lift up that which has been oppressed or marginalized in ourselves and in the world, and also being willing to stop worrying so much about being pleasant and agreeable in order to confront and humble that 
which has been elevated or overindulged in the world and in ourselves. Because when we serve God with all that we are, we are invited into a future, a kingdom, a reality that is always good, always gracious, always loving, transformative, freeing, salvific, reconciling, redemptive, but not necessarily nice or agreeable or pleasant. This is God's work. And God, as the psalm declares, looks on the earth and it trembles, touches the mountains and they smoke. We follow a Christ who came not to bring peace, but a sword that could set families against one another, who asked his disciples to take up their crosses, who overturned tables and during whose death the curtain in the temple was torn into the earth shook and rocks were split. The God we are serving is good, gentle, loving, but also wild and radical, with power that is earth-shaking and universe-remaking. And so being faithful to, serving God and all of God's beloved creation will mean putting our time and energy less into niceness and more into justice, kindness, love, mercy, and peace. I still like my name, and I still hope that its adjectives apply to me, but there is a label that I hope and I pray that each of us can live into far more fully. Here I am, the servant of the Lord, and may we all be able to say with revolutionary and transformative and disruptive love that it entails, let it be with me according to your word. Amen. As a song of response, if you would take out the green hymnal and turn to number 13, my soul is filled with joy, and if you would please stand.
May this God that is wild and radical be with us now and into our week. Go in peace. Amen.